Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Professor Ron Mallett back with us, professor of theoretical physics at the University of Connecticut. Professor Mallett's breakthrough research on time travel has been featured extensively in the media all over this planet. He recently published Memoir, The Time Traveler, a very compelling and human story of a man whose deep childhood trauma drove him on a quest to build a time machine. Professor, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm getting emails from people who want to know if they can go back and change the time continuum and guy and and and, and storylines of life and everything else. We'll get into some of that. How have you been? I've been very busy. <laughs> Actually, uh, things have been going well. It's been three years since you've been on the show. Yeah, I know. I know. Time Way too long. Fast. Way too long, but I, gosh, we just keep hearing great things about you. Now, for people who are brand new to the program, Professor, tell us about this quest to build this time machine and what pushes you so hard. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it has to do with a tragedy in my early life. Um, I grew up in the Bronx, and I was the oldest of four children, and my father was a television repairman, and I idolized him. Uh, he for me, the sun rose and set on him, and he uh, would do things. He would spend a lot of time with me. He worked very hard, but he would spend a lot of time with the family. And he would give me scientific toys like a uh, crystal radio set and gyroscope. And uh, The thing is, is, he looked robust, and he looked healthy. And uh, so it was complete and utter shock when he died of a massive heart attack when he was only 33 years old, and I was oh. 10 at the time. And uh, it just really tore my world completely apart. I really went from being a happy kid to a depressed kid and uh, didn't really care whether I lived or died. But one of the other gifts he left me was a love for reading. And uh, about a year after he died, when I was 11, I came across the book that changed my life. It was a classic illustrated version of H.G. Wells' classic novel, The Time Machine. Uh-huh. And, uh, and in the beginning of it, it says scientific people know very well that time is just the kind of space, and we can move forward and backward in time just as we can in space. And when I read that, I thought, oh, this is it. This, is, this, is, this will solve my problem. If I could go back in time, I could see him again and maybe tell him what's going to happen and save his life. So that became uh, a mission for me to uh, try to build a time machine. I even uh, used the old television and radio parts that my mother kept after he died and used bicycle parts and things to <laughs> put something together. And, of course, it didn't work, which is probably just as well. But I plugged it in, nothing happened, and if it had, probably would burn the house down. But the thing is, is that I remembered it said scientific people know very well. So I knew science was going to have to be involved in it in some way, and I didn't exactly know exactly how that was going to happen. But luckily for me, I did have this uh, strong book habit. I, I had to read, and I used to uh, go to the Salvation Army where I could afford at that time to buy books for a nickel, and I came across the second book. This was about a, a couple of years after when I was about 12, 13, but I came across the second book that changed my life. On the cover, it showed a picture of Einstein, and I knew that Einstein was this great genius. I didn't know what he did, but I knew he was this great genius, and he was standing next to an, a large size uh, hourglass. And so that meant to me, just from the cover, that Einstein must have something to do with time. So I got the book, and it was rough going. I didn't have the background, even though it was a popular book.
did say that Einstein said that time, unlike uh, the classical physics of Newton, where time cannot be changed, nothing you do can alter time. According to Einstein, there is a way that you can alter time. So I knew if I could understand what Einstein meant by that, if you could alter time, that maybe that would be what the science I need for a time machine. So that became my second passion, uh, was to try to understand Einstein. And it was a long journey from there. Uh, and we'll, we can get into all sure. the things that Einstein had said, but, uh, but that was the beginning of my passion for Einstein and my understanding eventually of how time travel and the time machine might be possible scientifically. Ron, did you go into theoretical physics primarily to build a time machine? No, you know, that, that's a very good question because a lot of people think that that was so. Yeah. And that isn't. Uh, what happened is, is that we were very poor after my father died. So uh, I decided to do what my father had done. I went into the military as an enlisted man in the Air Force. Well, thank you for serving. A war period. Thank you. And uh, the thing is, is that um, I used the GI Bill when I got out. Now, by what I was, while I was in the service, I became a computer technician. And I came across, uh, we had to study things about electronics. And, uh, and one of the things I came across was a book, it was actually a, a manual. And they had this equation, and they said that you would not be able to understand this equation, but we're putting it in because it's just so beautiful. And it tells you that electrons aren't these little billiard ball things, which I had thought they were, but they are actually waves, and they can actually move through uh, solid objects. And the equation was called the Schrodinger equation. And, of course, they were right. I didn't understand anything about it. They didn't try to describe it. But, but I thought this, this is incredible, that there are people who can actually construct things like this, equations like this, to describe weird things like the electrons being able to move through barriers. And so, and I found out these people were called uh, uh, theoretical physicists in the, in the science that they were studying was quantum mechanics. So it was actually mm -hmm. quantum mechanics that made me want to become a theoretical physicist. So it's interesting because, in a sense, relativity, you might say, uh, was a means to an end for me. And it's a beautiful theory, but it was a means to an end. Whereas uh, quantum mechanics was just this mysterious, beautiful thing that I needed to understand. And so it was fortunate for me that it turned out that Einstein was a theoretical physicist. So I knew I could get both things. I could understand relativity to see how a time machine would be built. And at the same time, you know, I could understand what it was like to be a theoretical physicist to use these equations to understand how the universe works in a strange thing called quantum mechanics. So that was really the, um, people are surprised that that was actually my love for quantum mechanics and Schrodinger's equation, which actually got me to become a theoretical physicist. Well, they're building some incredible things. The Large Hadron Collider in, at CERN, Switzerland, and French border is amazing. And who knows how close they can come to building an actual time machine. In terms of the things you've done to try to construct one, are you still at it, or are um, you letting other people work on it? No, no, you have to remember. Remember I said that I'm a theoretical physicist. Right. And that, what I did was to, Einstein had developed a set of equations. They're called Einstein's gravitational field equations. They're part of what's known as his general theory of relativity. And essentially what that theory says 
is Einstein's theory says that what we call the gravitational force really isn't a force at all. It's actually the structure of space. And what he meant by that, and the simple analogy that I give to people, is the fact that think of uh, empty space as being like, uh, let's say, like a rubber sheet, like a, a trampoline. And think of um, uh, the sun, for example. Imagine, let's use this in, uh, an analogy. Let's say that we, on this rubber sheet, I place a bowling ball. The bowling ball curves the rubber sheet. And let's suppose I put a little marble on the rubber sheet. The marble will move down towards the bowling ball. And if I give the marble a little bit of a sideways motion, the marble will actually move along the curvature that's produced by the bowling ball and move around it, sort of orbit. And that's exactly what Einstein said the sun is doing. The sun is actually bending empty space. We can't see that, okay? And it would be Mm -hmm. like the rubber sheet becoming transparent. All we can see is the effect. That is to say that if you have... um, a comet, for example, a comet is being pulled towards the sun just the way in which the marble is being pulled uh, towards the bowling ball. And the Earth is, is actually moving in a sideways motion, just like if you give the marble a little bit of a push, it would move around the uh, bowling ball. That's what the Earth is doing around the sun. So what we call the gravitational force is actually the bending of space. And incidentally, I should mention that sometimes popularizers don't get it quite right. Uh, gravity doesn't cause the bending of space. Gravity is the bending, the bending of space. Of space. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.